Good morning, everyone, to this early Saturday morning. I'm Pam McElvain, your host of The Inclusive Voice. So happy to be back here with you once again. Please, as I've stated many times before, go grab your coffee and grab your place safe to sit down. This morning, we're going to have a good, I think, a really interesting conversation and really kind of talking about navigating multiple racial identities and really what that means today. And they call this the new normal, but you know, this is something we've been doing for generations. So I just wanna uh, step back and reflect and talk a little bit, really give um, allegiance to our ancestry. And all of us have ancestral history, no matter where we've come from, European you know, descent and or Definitely, you know, African descent, Hispanic, you know, Latin descent. You know, we all have ancestral connections that are important and then that are really, I think, necessary for learning. And when you think about, you know, I always think about, you know, when America's learning, um, the census, the government itself is also learning. You know, they, they take our census, you know, in a 10-year cycle, but then in between those 10 years, I'm not sure if everyone knows this, but the government goes back and they do um, micro-segments of the population so that they can capture those that have unique identities within it. But so in 2020, the U.S. Census, they went back and they measured multiracials. So 9.7% of America now identifies as multiracial. That means 33.1 million people have identified as multiracial. And so that is really, you know, multi-ethnic. That's really important to know that folks are feeling comfortable and that the government feels it's important to capture those ethnicities. Because, you know, television, you know, programs, you know, like PBS, you know, that puts on like Finding Your Roots with Henry Louis Gates Jr. and, you know, the popularity of the ancestral DNA kits that have highlighted how far we are, we've come and we're more connected to different ethnicities and cultures, you know, than we initially believed. So when you even think about, you know, our former president, Barack Obama, who is multi multicultural, multiracial, and our and our current our current vice president, Kamala Harris, are both of multiracial descent, uh, multiracial and multiracial descent. So you know when you think about all the systems and the things you know in place to divide our races and cultures, it's kind of ironic because the overlap is incredible. And, and it's, it's an instinctive in terms of how we actually function as people. And I think about our guest today, Gail Baker, who's the author of Growing Up Mulatto. Oh my goodness, she tells an incredible story of, of her life from an educational lens, you know, being a, a retired educator herself. And what I, what I found, it's amazing, I, I am not mulatto, as I am an African-American woman, uh, although I have 1 16th uh, Caucasian and 1 16th Indian um, in me. So the majority, I'm African-American, but you know, my mother, you know, it's more mixed. And then of course her mother's even more mixed and, and so forth in, in terms of when you're looking at the, um, the, the mixed cultures. But you know, what I find so, so amazing is yes, I'm fascinated with other cultures and, and ethnicities is that, you know, my grandfather's mulatto, he, he's Irish and he's, um, his father is an Irishman from Ireland, and his um, mother is, is an African. Um, and so it's just, I found, you know, I've been looking at the heritage and culture all my life and the ancestry and trying to connect my lineage, my lineage, not just to, to, for my own personal use, but just for the, you know, the education 
and connections of my of the broader family. And so her story, I could just resonate. Oh my goodness, it's a great book. I could just resonate the many times. I could just write the book and just fill in the blanks myself. That's how amazing this author shares her story and, and how me talking about how I can connect. I know you'll be able to connect. And for those that aren't necessarily of mixed races, uh, but in mixed cultures, but what an educational lesson to learn how to respect differences. The diversity story is being able to appreciate really uh, inclusion as, and not just someone for the color of their skin, um, but someone for their experiences. That's what we're trying to lean into. As difficult as it is to do, we're still trying to lean into that. So today, you know, the diversity moments that I want to bring present forward through this author and her storytelling and sharing of Growing Up Mulatto is really how her research and work has, you know, helped us catapult an interest in being able to, you know, really create a space and a place for people to learn more about who we are. So with that, I'm going to, you know, we're going to take a break. Stay tuned with us as I bring back to us our author, Gail Baker. Author Growing Up Mulatto, be ready for an courageous and bold conversation. So we'll be right back after this commercial break. From emails that get no response, to improper billing and shipping, to inventory mistakes, waste can be an expansive, encompassing problem. With a track record of success that includes over $7 billion in successful projects, Bold Business has been helping clients over two decades. Whether you seek to enhance the performance of current anti-waste and waste initiatives, reduce reputational damage in the face of heightened public scrutiny, or simply safeguard cost efficiency, Bold Business has the answers. Check out boldbusiness.com for more information. Welcome back, and I'm here with my guest, Gail Baker, who is the author of um, Growing Up Mulatto. So, but Gail, before we get into all that, you know, share with me, how are you doing and how do you keep yourself well? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking, staying busy, welcoming the holiday season, trying to come back from COVID, hosting family and friends. And it's, it's an exciting time. Oh, wow. And, you are busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, but I'm loving it, Pam. I really am. And, and Gail, you're you're here in Chicago, right? Yes, yes. I live on in the southern suburbs and um, born and bred in Chicago. Chicago's home. So, despite everything, I I love our city. Yeah, I I do too. You know, we get we have guests from around the country, actually from around the world. So it's nice to have someone here, you know, just, you know, before we get in talking about, you know, the story, I just want to, you know, talk about in your time, you know, your career, you know, where you grew up, where you um, went to school and, you know, why you went into education. <laughs> sure. Well, um, I'm born and bred right here in the city, um, in Morgan Park initially, uh, attended uh, Catholic elementary schools, and um, then I went on to Hirsch High School, which was an experience for me, truly, and uh, but one that helped mold who I am. I went on to an HBCU, Tennessee State in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I was I was sure that education was in my future, but you know, really, my choices then in the early seventies were, you know, be a teacher or a nurse. And um, as I reflect back, it was truly limiting, but. That's what we were um, encouraged to to pursue those two careers, especially for a female. So, yes. But uh, I went on, um, and I've had an amazing career. 
uh, ending it the last 10 years as a principal. And I learned so much. It really gave me an opportunity to put all those things that I learned to work. And and I reached out to a community. Uh, I loved the children. I uh, held my staff to a standard. And we were very successful to the point of award-winning two years in a row uh, for our accomplishments. And uh, our school was in West Pullman. Okay, congratulations for that. I mean, that's that's, mm, that's important to acknowledge. And what, what school? Uh, Ronald H. Brown Community Academy in West Pullman. Excellent, excellent. I appreciate you sharing that. And you know, it, one of the things that you said was, um, and I know this is, you know, getting back to your inspiration is, you know, your goal was to awaken what was lost, um, you know, in our ancestry and, and wanting to bring younger children forward and connecting with their ancestries. Tell me a little bit more about that inspiration. Wow. Uh, sitting in classrooms and listening to children through guided discussions, sometimes it would really give me chills, some of the things that the kids would say. We, we, I believe we take for granted sometimes our youth and how they see the world. And um, so I, I really wanted to make sure that children had uh, verbiage to to formulate their own opinions and not to adopt popular opinions of perhaps their family or, or friends. So, um, you know, I, I just thought uh, we limit our children to protect them, but we can also expose them in such a way that will allow them to have opinions about today and what's happening and how to make it better. You know, that's that's good. That and that and that's real, right? And and when you said well, the thing is the information age, right? What our children are exposed to. It's so much information, it's almost grounding, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Some of the some of the work. And the thing that your book does inspire is, you know, the questions that can be asked, you know, that children can read this and start asking about, you know, their own heritage and culture and become even concerned because you said like their minds and what they absorb. If you don't talk to them, you'd be surprised at what that they do with that. But share us a little bit about your family. So um, as an educator um, here, and you're absolutely right, because teacher and nurses, it reminds me of what my grandmother used to say and my mother used to say what their options were. And then you, you turn into an incredible career. But in the meantime, um, do you have a family of children? I do. I do. I've been married for 44 years uh, to my husband, Reginald Baker, a retired judge. And we have three beautiful adult children who are kind, great people. And I have two wonderful grandchildren I'm very proud of. So, yes, I'm, I'm a mom, a wife, a sister, an aunt. And, you know, our family connection is strong. Oh, thank you for that. So share, share a little bit. Thank you for sharing. Congratulations and, and kudos um, to you and, and your husband for the long uh, sustainability of the institution of partnership and marriage. Appreciate that because that's something we have to celebrate. But when you said um, you, you mentioned like this, this strength in your family you know share you know the meaning what that means to you so others can kind of resonate with you on that absolutely it, it is clearly about lifting up and um lifting each other up that's what i see our family has you, you know we have this amazing history on both sides and um Life sometimes gets in the way, and uh, our role as 
mom, sister, you know, as family, is, is to lift each other up, to make sure that this is a place where I can come and feel protected and feel that the, it's not so bad. We can get through this together. So, Oh, yes. I love that. that. That is so good. Lifting up protection, <laughs> safety. I mean, that is so good. And, we, and we've lost that. And I mean, some of us have lost that. So you have to, let me ask you this question. Do you have to work at that, right? You have to work to keep the optimistic or, or it might be easy for you guys. <laughs> so you're laughing. What are you, what are you laughing about? I'm laughing because, no, it's it's not always so easy. But when you can reflect into look into the eyes of someone that you love and know that they're in pain, how I mean, what else does one do? You lift them up. You you let them know that it's going to be okay, And we have your back. That's so teach, teach, <laughs> teach us. That's what you're doing. Just wonderful education. Okay, you know. So we're gonna go to a commercial break, and then we're gonna come back. That's what I wanted folks to do. I wanted them to to know a little bit about you know who you are and who this person is that wrote this great work to so share the story and why it was important to share and what each of us can take away from it. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this commercial break more with Gail Baker. The world is embracing a remote, globalized and diverse workforce. Is your organization prepared when it comes to understanding all the nuances of diversity? Diversity MBA can help. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. Check out diversitymbamagazine.com and take the first step towards transforming your organization. Welcome back. I'm Pam McElvain, your host of The Inclusive Voice. Here with me, I have author Gail Baker of being growing up mulatto and real excited. I hope you, if you're just joining us, we're, we're talking about connections with ancestry and heritage and her book. And if you've been with us, you, you know that this is a Chicagoan who's here, a teacher, educator, to share her works with us. So, so Gail, you know, what is incredible, amazing to me in you know, you, you know, yours is like your great grandmother is from Ireland, and um, I mean, great grandfather is from Ireland. And, um, my grandfather. Your grandfather is from Ireland, and so is yeah. mine. So is, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, mine is my great grand. My great grandfather is from Ireland, and and you know, and mother from Africa. So it's a, it's amazing, right? Just so how connected we are. <laughs> That, that people just don't realize the level of um, connections we have. But so let's let's get, you know, so growing up mulatto, where, where did the title come from? What inspired you? Well, I would love to tell you it was my inspiration, but actually it came from my aunt before she passed. Um, my grandfather, again, from Ireland, my grandmother herself mulatto and together they had seven girls one my mother but my aunt um, you know I knew that the stories seemed to be um, it was difficult to get them to talk about uh, their past and, and, and our grandfather it was a subject they seemed to avoid all seven of the girls I realized there was a lot of shame and um, you know, because of the illegitimacy. And um, it was difficult to talk about. And so my aunt in her later years said, I want you to write this book. And we're going to, the title will be Growing Up Mulatto. And um, so that's how the title came about. So, which sounds really fascinating. So share a little bit, you know, we know the story centers around a girl named Tyler. Share a little bit about the, um, I guess, the, 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 the context of the story and what you want, you know, the messaging to be. Yes. Um, 
my um, my aunt's idea was to tell she she they were all storytellers and they would tell these stories about uh growing up and um you know she somehow just didn't want it lost she uh, wanted someone to to tell the story and to move beyond the shame and um she i i gave her a tape recorder she recorded all of these stories i'd come back and get the tapes and um you know she she just poured her heart out with these stories. But Pam, something devastating happened. She, she became ill. I took the mm. cassette tapes and put them away. Uh, because I, after she passed, I, didn't, I couldn't hear her voice. But I knew I would write that book because she asked me to. And um, my then 13-year-old daughter got a hold of the tapes and taped over every one. I was devastated. And so for years, for years, this promise was untold until finally I I felt uh, the need to stop. And uh, I don't have her words, but I have uh, my own stories that I've remembered. And so I sat down and started writing uh, my book, Growing Up Mulatto. And I decided to make it because I, I feel so strongly about education and young children, young people. And um, I thought, I, I'm going to write this book for young adults. But some of my adult friends who've read the book have shared with me how it made them feel and how um, this need to reach back and in our families and write down or, or know our ancestry because when we know where we've been, it helps us move forward. So, No, it absolutely has. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, um, I'm going to be reading it, you know, a second and third time because I'm like, okay, I did all this work on ancestry. Um, dot com, and I went back four generations, and it's you know because of the help, right, of our great aunts and uncles and great grandparents, and um, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to do this, another book. I've got to put it now on my book list. But sharing, I mean, you're right, that's devastating, right? But the fact that you had the memories and your own experiences. I probably, I shouldn't say this, but I venture to say that, you know, it's probably a better story that's written because you're not writing someone else's story, you're writing where you're embedded in part of that story. And so you talk about, you know, like the pain of it, um, you know, the women, you know, there's so many, you know, women you know, that came right out of slavery that were, you know, of mulatto heritage. But one of the things you you mentioned was um, like it was important that Tyler be of Irish descent rather than a European nationality. Is that because of the lineage back to your grandfather? Yes. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, my grandfather, uh, we can trace our ancestry back to the Vikings and um, and beyond, actually. Um, and 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 that that's a great feeling uh, to know that that's a part of me. Um, but on the other hand, on my grandmother's side. Uh, which, you know, after rape and fathers whose last names you don't know and, and, uh, to go back four generations is, is, is a great thing, you know, but it's unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. But it, it really I have, is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I have this, uh, this lineage that I know. Yes. And the other that I know so very little about, and uh, it's there are times I feel like it, like we were all robbed of something yes. so very significant, 
and um, it saddens me. That saddens me. No, it does, and you're right. And you know what, Gail? I mean, I'm just so proud of you. You know, I I tell you, we we are. I mean, and to be able to go back to the Vikings, it's, it's great. On my, um, and I know I'm like interjecting my story in here because you got me all excited because I've done so much of this work and I haven't haven't put it in a book and you've got this book and I just like oh my god this so resonates. And my father was a my grandfather was able to go back his heritage goes all the way back to back to the royal actually a little royal blood sprinkled in there because Irish as well on the on his side it was the penny side but then on. And then on my grandmother's side, on my mom's maternal side, when you you know that that really kind of stuck with me when you said we've lost so much. We got our outside the DNA and the African tribes, of course. You know you can do that through your DNA, but but I mean the real stories and the real people. Yeah, um, we got to the last uh, the last generation that came over from the boats from Africa in Canada, where she landed in Canada and ended up in Maryland. Uh, and so when you have those that kind of story and then you lose it because of what happens. So what I like about your book though, is how you were able to navigate and, and, and have lessons, you know, that you have shared through, um, through the storytelling. And one of the things I saw, I mean, that I was reading about, it's like like many of the characters of the novel are facing difficulties uh, because they were holding multiple identities. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, you, you're speaking in terms of my aunt and my mother. Um, uh, you know, it was, it was very interesting be, to me as I reflect back uh, on um, their options when when they left the South, um, they and they left uh, because my grandfather was a very strong, prominent family, um, very fiery, and he this this all began with a beautiful love story. He he loved my grandmother, and that was taboo, especially when his father, his brothers were clansmen. And um, he took the approach of uh, being very, very protective of the family, and it turned so many others off. So the girls were hated by the majority of the whites in the city and in their small town, and they were hated because they feared my grandfather uh, by many of the blacks. So they ran away. They they were looking for, through that great migration, looking for opportunity to be themselves and to not be ashamed of who they were. And they integrated into um, communities throughout Chicago um, and, and St. Louis. And... Um, and and still staying as close as they possibly could because for them family, the seven of them, that that was everything. And um, you know, uh, there were times when the uh, my mother passed not because she wanted to, but because she needed a job, and that was the way to get it. And um, the the girls all, of course, identified as black. And uh, but whenever necessary to survive, they took whatever route was ne- whatever route they could just just to survive. So um, that was very interesting to me, the way they all, each of them integrated into society, I mean, to the, the cities of, of St. Louis and uh, Chicago and, and found a way and established uh, their lives. You know, uh, we're going to uh, come back and talk about that. So, you know, I really... That's amazing, and and to continue to hear this, even when I look at the back of the book of your cover, it just reminds me of stories of people having choices 
like what you described and like to talk a little bit more about is how, you know, some of that is kind of relevant today might not necessarily be passing from a color standpoint, but other ways of assimilation to get through. So we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. And so that, you know, you can hear more from our from our guest. So stay tuned. The tech talent war in the U.S. is making it almost impossible for companies to hire and is holding companies back from achieving their important business goals. What is the answer? Go global with Bold Business. We have the reach, experience, and proven methods to help your company access great talent. From recruiting and sourcing to onboarding and post-hiring operations, Bold Business can help businesses tap into a worldwide talent pool and can craft solutions for an enterprise of any size. Go Bold and let Bold Business solve your talent challenges and help your company succeed. For more info, visit www.boldbusiness.com. Welcome back. I'm your host, Pam McElvain, here with our guest, author Gail Baker, and retired educator from Chicago Public Schools. Um, you know, we're talking about her book, Growing Up Mulatto, and what's really amazing about this book, it's really, you know, work of history. It's something that should, you know, be discussed and uh, generate great do- dialogue within all families. And so, Gail, you know, you're talking about how, you know, your your family, your mom and her sisters, and, you know, I, I can resonate with this because I have some of the same in my great, um, my great aunts and uncles, is seeing how, you know, they had to make a choice to pass when they needed to to survive. Do you see some of the correlations, not, so ne- not necessarily just passing for white, but things that we have to do today to, you know, I don't want to assimilate or what we have to do to ensure that we are, you know, part of the current status quo so that we can excel. Do you see some of those kind of similarities and practices occurring today? Absolutely. Pam, I, as a senior uh, adult, I, my heart is warmed when I see so many brilliant minds, um, Af- young African American uh, leaders. Uh, it it's amazing because I, you know, we all have a sense of where they've come because my story is your story and the story of so many others, and yet despite adversity. Um, we're able to to achieve so much. It, we, uh, there was that that uh, thought uh, implanted in every young child that you have to do it better. You have to be better. That was good, but good is just not enough. You have to be better, and and you can. And um, I think that brings about a drive to succeed that, you know, many people may not even understand that, um, you know, we just can't just be good. We have to be excellent. And um, when I look at your audience, when I think about um, the the people who you represent, it it's, it's so exciting to me because I, I see myself. I, I see my story. And, um, yeah, so that's no question. Uh, our past has uh, certainly driven and will continue to drive our future. Ah, thank you so, that, so much for that. Very well said. Thank you. And thank you for the compliments. I would say, so what, you know, from your, you know, going, doing this, this project and having it done, how has it, um, I don't want to say changed you, but, you know, inspired you, um, wanting you to, you know, think differently about how you approach things, you know, what has been the impact basically on you from doing this work? Well, Pam, 
Um, growing up, mulatto has been in the works for a while. And what has held it back is my own insecurities. And um, I, but I also, my faith tells me that it's not always my time, it's in the right time. Um, I felt that growing up mulatto wasn't finished or released before because I felt I'm not an author, I'm not a writer, but I am a storyteller. And and I do have these stories, and wouldn't it be a shame not to tell them? When I first released the book after its published date, uh, it I was very quiet about it. I sent copies to my nine uh, first cousins for their re- approval. And uh, it wasn't until after they each of them responded positively that I thought, well, let let me see how this looks in the public sector. And I received such a positive response from so many, and and it just encouraged me that no, it. You know, I I could have done this maybe 10 years ago, but I didn't. And it's happening now. And and it's this little book that talks about miscegenation. Our president just signed into law, you know, our rights. Yes. And and so it's like, wow, looking in in my little book. And uh, so... It, it's made me, um, I, I don't regret that it, I just published it now. I don't regret that because I yeah. think this is the right time that uh, right. people are listening and people care. Yeah. And what's happened, right? So what's happening in our time, you know, when you when you look at just, just you, you know, you're talking about, oh, you know, I'm able to bring back forward you know, the miscegenation laws and what's happening with our with the abolishment with what our president's doing. But in, in corporate America today, you're having conversations where you defined in your book, um, you know, the, the, you know, white supremacy. They're getting comfortable with talking about white supremacy, systemic racism, the diaspora, critical race theory. These are things that in your book that have now taken on, you know, prejudice that is taking on formal training for for managers and people to be able to work together in what they call cultures of inclusion and belonging to understand more what this looks like. So here's a story. This this book, this story, this this could be, you know, a way of helping those that we talk about white privilege, right? Even lean into understanding why people feel the way they do, but how to get through it through storytelling and 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 share the sharing of the parts of, you know, the stories that's hurtful, but that's real and that connects others. I mean, that's so I do. You know, I'm glad that 25 years later you've now done it and you've presented it in a, in a way of storytelling, so people can, you know, resonate with it as well as as being, you know, educated um, on the piece, the information that you're sharing. So, so I appreciate, you know, what you're doing here, and I could see, oh my goodness, so much more. Uh, that can be done with this. But how do you see um, your book, you know, being valuable in the uh, primary and secondary education system? Yes. Um, it, I, I would like to say, I, I think our, that my book would be, uh, would have a great impact in um, African-American communities, as well as uh, white communities, where children can learn without hatred or anger, but cannot understand what it looked like at at that time, and, and make a comparison. Well, is systemic racism 100 years ago? Uh, systemic racism today, <laughs> prejudice today, 
as it was 100 years ago? I mean, what kind of uh, gains have we made? What what has has time done? And yeah. what can we do as we go forward when we speak to our youth, when we talk directly to them? We, you know, we're we're building something within each of them, an understanding of what's right and and what's wrong, and um, and and I think in our future, Pam, that can make a huge difference. I, I would love yeah. to see my book in in. Uh, as many elementary schools as possible. I look to see sixth, seventh, eighth graders reading my book. I would love to see them having, um, responding to these talking points. And um, I, I, I truly believe when you want true change, it should come and be embedded in our youth. Yes, you 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 hit it. I mean, I agree with you. I also love to see it in in high schools. I I love to yes. see it in the in the history, the social studies, and then I like then I'd love to see it in college in the African American Studies department, and in the <laughs> um, I, I mean because right because we miss everybody doesn't get it and they get the information at different points in their lives and where they are. So, you know, where we can touch them, it, it will educate and, and give that lens, um, particularly with our Gen Zs that have such a, you know, and sort of open to thoughtfulness. But um, where, before we go to commercial break, where can people go if they want to get copies of your book? Yes, the book is on Amazon and um Growing Up Mulatto by Gail Baker, and it's $9.99. But, Pam, if you would oblige me, yesterday I went to Barnes & Noble in Orland, and there on the shelf was Growing Up Mulatto. And, Pam, I had a moment. I looked at it on the shelf at Barnes & Noble, and my aunt, who asked me to write this book, her, we called her Aunt Jo. And I looked at it and said, oh, my God, Aunt Jo. Yes. We're, we're on the shelf. <laughs> we're on the yes. shelf at Barnes & Noble. You know, not at everyone, but definitely at the one in Orland. Tim, it's an amazing feeling. It really is. And I'm, I'm praying that um, others will see the 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 good and, and the greatness that could come from a small book like mine. Uh, it's it's the, the small steps that make great ones. Yes, and congratulations to you. I remember 20 years ago when my first magazine was on the shelves of Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Sorry, I know you're like you're like wow. Is this me? Is this my stuff? I know. Isn't that amazing? So congratulations and kudos to you. We're going to take a, a quick commercial break as we come back with the last couple minutes with Gail Baker and this tremendous story of connecting uh, ancestry and lineage to for, for us to move forward in, in our heritage. So we'll be right back with you. Everyone's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let Diversity MBA Media bring you up to speed on the discussion. With benchmarking services that help enterprises gauge and expand the diversity of their workforces, to fresh, insightful, deep dive articles on the Diversity MBA website, CEO Pam Micklevain leverages years of experience and some of the foremost thought leaders on diversity, equity, and inclusion to spread the DEI message and curate content that educates and enlightens. In addition, Diversity MBA Media hosts annual conferences that bring together speakers from all across the DEI spectrum, with thousands of virtual attendees learning industry best practices from a wide range of perspectives. Check out Diversity MBA Media, join the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement, and be a part of the discussion. www.diversitymbamagazine.com 
Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Pam McElvain, here with our guest, author Gail Baker, um, retired uh, principal from the Chicago school system. You know, it's just been an incredible, incredible education moment for me. But as we wrap up here, um, Gail, I would just, you know, like to know what advice uh, would you impart on our listeners, you know, in terms of, you know, connecting, family connecting and and learning more about their own lineage? (laughs) Yes, I, I would hope that we stop and pull out those photo albums and place names there and um, and let your family, your children, their children know who, who their ancestors were. Share the stories that they had of the difficulties then and the things that they did to make yours a better tomorrow. And um, I, I, I think that's huge. To me, if, if if we could encourage everyone to just stop and look back and uh, and document it, perhaps you can you have your own book inside of you and your own story. But if not that, just for prosperity's sake, write it down and document it, and so that your your children and their children and their children's children will have that information about their ancestors and what we were lost, what we lost. Let's start building that now. A new ancestry. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that so much. And, and, you know, and where we can connect so-called the bad that transforms into the good to mitigate, you know, as much as we can. Um, around hate and and bias and and racism, that would be a great thing. So, Ms. Gail Baker, thank you so much for your time and this wonderful conversation and this wonderful work for those of us to be able to be inspired to to do more. So have a great, great week. Thank you so much, Pam, for everything. And you as well, sweetheart. Enjoy your week. Thank you. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. But Diversity MBA's education push extends beyond the public realm and into the private sector. Thanks to DMBA, enterprises embarking on their DEI journey have access to training webinars, leadership indexes, and more, all of which can help educate and transform a workforce. Embrace DEI. Diversity MBA can help. Visit www.diversitymbamagazine.com for more information. Hello, this is Delaney Michelle Elliott, and you're listening to The Inclusive Voice. This is Mind Your Money. And I recently read a powerful article in the Wall Street Journal that's entitled, What to Know About RMDs and Retirement Planning. You see, this is tax season. You're preparing for it right now. And so we want to make sure that we bring you the top trending news as it pertains to your retirement planning. And yes, retirement takes planning. You are right now in the best years of your income earning life. You're building and contributing to your IRA or your 401k. And I'm telling you right now, team, that the IRS basically is coming after their taxes. Yes, they are. Why? Because there's a such thing as required minimum distributions. Required minimum distributions. See, right now, Ed Slot, who is an IRA expert, he is America's IRA expert. He has PBS specials. I am um, in a, a part of his advisor team, and I'm studying with Ed Slot. And basically, he's teaching us that the IRA and the 401k could be a ticking tax time bomb. I'll say that slowly. He basically is saying that your balance, if you have a sizable balance today in an IRA or 401k, it could be a ticking tax time bomb 
Why? Because you have not paid taxes on any of those contributions yet. And if you are at the age where you are going to be required to start taking minimum distributions, when you do that, there's tax implications. You're going to have to pay taxes. So whatever your, your um, taxable rate is, as far as your income, you can, you can go to irs.gov and look at, look at your um, adjusted gross income, and it'll show you exactly what your marginal tax rate is. When you start taking those distributions out of your 401k or your IRA, then that is the tax rate that is going, you're going to be charged on that income. And so we want you to make sure that you're sitting down with your professional financial advisor. If you don't have one, I'll be glad to do a complimentary session with you. I'm Delana Michelle Elliott. You can reach me at womenwithwealth.com. That's womenwithwealth.com. Book an appointment with me, and the initial um, consultation is free. We'll look at what you have. We'll look at your assets and make sure that you are in the best taxable position or I say tax advantage position for your retirement. Again, RMDs are a thing, as the young people would say. The IRS wants their taxes. And so we're going to look at making sure that we are helping you prepare so when your best years are ahead of you, you want to be in the best tax advantage position possible. So this segment of Mind Your Money is to just let you know, again, if you have a sizable balance today in an IRA or 401k, it could be a ticking tax time bomb, and we want to help you avoid that. Reach out to me, womenwithwealth.com. I am Delana Michelle Elliott, and you are listening to Mind Your Money on the Inclusive Voice. Keep your finger on the pulse of the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement. Check out diversitymbamagazine.com. As a dedicated news and media focal point for workplaces, professionals, and students, diversitymbamagazine.com is chock full of profiles of accomplished professionals in the DEI space, as well as notes of recognition and other newsworthy items. Check out the 2021 50 out front, get the skinny on diversity recruiting, Tap into the latest in DEI. Go to diversitymbamagazine.com and subscribe for updates.